0: Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 214. We are covering the RBC Canadian Open on the PGA Tour and the Volvo Scandinavian Mix on the DP World Tour. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? We're good. We've got no uh, Barry this week. He's uh, he's in ho- or on holiday in the west of Ireland, a golfing holiday. So um, he might return for our US Open Research Podcast later this week so uh, we'll see where we get with that right please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above please be gamble aware you can visit BegambleAware.org for more info and of course please bet responsibly visit our world famous golf bank system website with our in-depth betting previews tournament form statistics form charts including combined course plus current form plus our predictive models All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge with no paywall. We're on Twitter, Paul's at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. You can listen, of course, to this podcast on the YouTube channel, if that tickles your fancy. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast. So we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show, leave your name and where you are in the review. Right, this one is entitled, Good Fun with a Financial Return Five Stars. I eagerly await this podcast each Tuesday. It has significantly improved my financial returns from the bookies on a regular basis. Complaints. Who does this Steve guy think he is taking holidays and as a result... No podcast allowing Paddy Power to take money from me. The next week, he had the audacity to go to a funeral and delay my fun. Seriously, though, lads, thanks for all of your work; it is greatly appreciated. Steve's mangling of names just adds to the fun, and that is from Pipolero. So there you go. He's talking about he's talking about mangling of names, and he's you know he's um he's called Pi- Pipolero, and he's in Ireland.
1: It's kind of so sticking the knife in a bit. He's sticking the knife a bit in there, Stephen. He uh, with the all right, yeah. We do have to try and work these things around uh, things that happen in normal life as well, don't we? Sadly,
0: yeah, yeah. You have to, uh, you have to have you, you have to uh, have a holiday now and again, don't you? Yeah, There won't be any holidays for me for a while, so um, don't worry about that. Let's talk about last week, shall we? Mm-hmm. You got an each-way place. I got an each-way place. Yeah, just about. Marcel
1: Schneider snuck into a tie for fifth. Um, I guess in the end, I should be pleased that he got there because he, it was the second-best round of the day, I think, on the Sunday. Well, um, but uh, he, he was in a much stronger position. I mean, with seven holes to go, a, a real lightning finish, and he could have been threatening for the lead and, and potentially the win. And parred the last seven holes coming home, on what was an extremely penal and tricky track. I've got to say it's, uh, you know, the, the number of doubles and trebles and um, water <laughs> water balls. I mean, unbelievable. It was a
0: cracking U.S. Open warm-up for Tommy <laughs> Fleetwood.
1: I know that. I, I dread to think, Steve, how many balls you and I would need to take if we went and played that course, because seriously, if the pros are going in two or three times a, a round, which was seemingly what was happening, certainly to my players, then, uh, yeah, it would be a painfully expensive experience for you and I, I think.
0: Was it that difficult when they played there before? Not
1: particularly. I, it's, it's a challenging track. It's very long. The par fives... Um, then there are three shotters in the main, um, and the ones that you think you can have a go at, so many players were ending up in the water. It was it was unreal. Um, yeah, and it, it just ended up as a, a war of attrition, um, except for Cali Samuya, who came through with a, an incredible final round of eight under, broke the course record, and, uh, and walked away with a title in the end. Um, that's the way to do it. But uh, yeah, at one point, Marcel Schneider, who was five under through eleven, I think he was, um, threatened to do exactly that. He threatened to get himself in a position, particularly with three par fives um, still to play on the card at that point. But those par fives are not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, should be should be content with the fact that he managed to get some kind of return in the end because it looked like it was all lost to that point. And uh, yeah, you got a bit of uh, bit of Zalatoris back as well, didn't you, over in the states?
0: Oh yeah, it was one of those weird ones. I had players in the mix, and it just kind of Keegan Bradley was there or thereabouts. Cam Young playing the you know the golf that he's been playing was right in the hunt. Mm. Zalatoris, I think he went out like sixth, seventh, last group on Sunday. And Cam Young shoots eleven over or something. He's like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> very strange. Very yeah, wasn't round? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Next week he'll probably be. Sh- Next time he's on and I'm not on board, he'll sh- probably shoot eleven under to uh, to win <laughs> yeah. on that particular Sunday. But um, yeah. who had Billy Horshaw? I mean, Billy Horshaw. Jesus, where did that come from? Yeah, just found his game, didn't he? money's he's well, good, he he's literally really good. found it when he got. He, he clearly arrived in Ohio because up until that point, I, across all of my kind of checks and measures and everything I do, there was no, there was not one single green light for Billy Horschel.
1: No, and driving
0: I, approach play, putting, nothing at all. No,
1: no, it uh, it was the, the the pairs event. they would he come tied second, I think, something like that, didn't he? But in terms of um, in terms of solo, no, not uh, stroke play. There was nothing there. I. I forget where I backed him maybe a month or six weeks or so ago because he had shown some stuff earlier in the season but yeah in in more recent weeks and uh, just didn't appear to be on his game but pulled it all around very impressive did you, did
0: you see massive masses of Billy Horshaw winning tickets because I didn't
1: no. no the odd one or two but uh, not many. I'm just, you
0: know, I'm just tapping in to see what he'd actually done at Muirfield before winning. I don't think it was a great deal. No, he'd had us ninth and a seventh back in nineteen. Yeah, yeah I mean, there were a couple of top tens Cherry Open, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were a couple mm. of top tens.
1: But uh, yeah, if you if you were looking to see how his state of current game was, you would have
0: uh, you'd have put a line through him, as most punters did by the looks of it. It was also one of those tournaments where he had it won on Saturday night. I mean he's mm. five clear, wasn't he? He was on the winning score Saturday. On a golf course where you weren't really going to shoot sixty fours, it was too no. firm. It was too, the rough was too lush. It was you know it was a it was a Jack Nicklaus setup. Quite right, but yeah. he, he played so exceptionally on that Saturday. He just detached himself. And when you're being chased down by Aaron Wise, it's kind of yeah, okay. I think I'll take Billy's going. I think I'll take this one. Yeah, I'll take, <laughs> take this.
1: Yeah, yeah. He kept him at arm's length on Sunday. Every time that Wise got within. St- striking distance, I guess, and also just pulled away a little bit and yeah, reasonably comfortable in the end. So well- Aaron, Aaron Wise,
0: the, the statistics, you know, statistic world number one. Aaron Wise every week he hit eight <laughs> of eighteen greens on Sunday. Yeah, that's the kind of performance you get from Aaron. But fair play to him, second place. Mm. He does tend to pop up on longer uh, classical golf courses. Wise, I can remember him. Was it he won at? Uh, he, he finished second at Quail Hollow when he. In his breakout season, and then won uh, the next outing at the Byron Nelson.
1: Yep, that's right. His
0: only win today, Aaron Wise. Mm. But he's always got great stats.
1: Yeah, there's something about him. But uh, yeah, not not quite good enough to to chase down Billy Ho last week.
0: But yes, grabbed a piece of each way return, and we move on. That's all. At least you're minimising the damage. If you can't, have that's the trouble with me, Paul. If I if I know I haven't really got a chance of winning, I, I struggle to get excited to even sit down and watch it. That's that's kind of the way. If the juices are there and I've got players in the mix, I'll sit and watch it and uh, get right into it. But when you're kind of starting and Cam Young within the first three holes shoots four <laughs> over, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, do I really want to put the golf on, or shall I go and stroke the cat?
1: It, it, it does, does sap the enthusiasm a little bit when you get started. It start does like a little that. bit, yes. But yeah, no, so, no. Well, someday I'll go your way or my way again soon. Hopefully,
0: of course. This is this is this is, uh, is being. right? Where do you want to start? Should we start with yours this week for a bit of a bit yeah, of a mix do. up? Because you've got a very unique event this way. I mean, it's a unique week, isn't it? Anyway, with this, LI, this is it live, this live event that's going on just around the corner from us in St Albans and. If no, nobody's talking about the golf. They're all talking about the destruction, to so the self destruction of professional golf. It's like mm, it's a it's a strange time.
1: Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, there's a lot of noise around it, isn't there? I, I I was looking at the market just out of curiosity last night, and from a betting perspective, it's really not remotely interesting. Oh, I haven't even looked at it. Yeah, and only a handful of bookies have decided to to price it up at the moment. You've got a short forty eight man field. DJ what the four to one or thereabouts favourite. And you've got the likes of Tal or Gooch at eight or nine to one. I I don't know, it's not it's really not getting my uh, getting my juices flowing, but we'll we'll see how you, this you could have eight to
0: one on Louis Bad Back Goose <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nine to one on Kevin nah I mean, yeah, it's um yeah, there's there's a lot of noise and in in that respect the, the whole marketing piece behind it has probably done a fair job and they, they were giving away tickets with promotional codes over the weekend, which um, got people scrambling around and sharing on social media. And again, from a marketing perspective, um, that's done its job, I think, and created a bit of noise around it. But um, there's there's going to be people who agree and disagree and uh, you know, politically, I'm not going to get into it. Um, you and I have swerved it. So uh, we can concentrate on the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour and watch from a distance and see where it progresses to, I guess. Well,
0: it's difficult to tip on it because you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. It's a completely different concept. They're talking about teams. It's all very strange. I think you've just got to let it kind of... I've got a feeling, though, you know. I do have a feeling that the more and more of these players are just going to jump. Well, th- they're, going to, they're going to go down the Kevin Nara route and just resign. That, that takes PGA Tour out of the equation in terms of ramifications, um, and, and they'll just jump for the money, because the money is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's just obscene.
1: Yeah, and some, some will be blinded by those numbers, and uh, I guess it depends on their life stage and where their career aspirations are. Uh, yeah, I'll I, I watch it from afar with um, a relative amount of Intrigue rather than interest, I guess. Mm. But uh, yeah, not a betting event for me at the moment.
0: No, certainly not. So on to the Scandinavian Volvo Mixed. It, it, um, It's an interesting tournament. So over to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I d- didn't cover it last year. Um, I forget if I was away on holiday or just looked at it and uh, decided not to, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, um, it was popular last week, uh, last week, last year. Um, Henrik Stenson, Annika Sorenstam... Um, are the hosts and they've returned this year building on the success from last year's inaugural event because um, as you just said they've got a title sponsor now volvo Mm. um, big brand of course and they've doubled the prize fund as well up to two million dollars so doing something right and as the name suggests the scandinavian mixed it's a different format it's a mixed men's and women's event We've got 78 players from the DP World Tour. We've got 78 players from the Ladies European Tour, the LET, making a full field of 156. Uh, and all the players, they're all playing on the same course. They're playing at the same time. Um, they're playing for the same prize fund, um, to the same pins. All they're doing is just hitting from different tees. So um, we've got a slightly different yardage for the men and the women. Um, other than that, it's um, a level playing field. And that's kind of reflected, really, with the um, with the odds. I mean, we've seen a few of these different style men's and women's events. Somewhere there's two titles. Um, somewhere it's mixed. Um, and, and generally, um, if you look at the pricing, um, then generally the men tend to tend to be much shorter. But we've got a bit of a mix this year, this this week. Alex Norrin's the ten to one favourite. Um, Eduardo Molinari twenty two to one. Alexander Bjork twenty two to one. Um, and then we've got some of the women. We've got Maya Stark, 25 to 1. Lynn Grant, 28 to 1. Um, and then back to Romain Langasque, 28 to 1. Henrik Stenson, the uh, the host, or one of the hosts, the 30 to 1. And then you're out to the likes of Jason Scrivener, Johannes Veerman, John Catlin, Julian brune 35 to 1, 40 to 1 bar. So... From the bookies' perspective, they've you know they've, they've put a few of these, uh, a few of the the top rated um or top top fancied women right in the kind of second tier of players um in terms of the in terms of the odds after Alex Noren who's the clear favourite and justifiably the clear favourite. Uh, so yeah, intrigue I think is the uh, is the word this week. Uh, Boyle Sports eight places each way in this this event. So again, as we've been saying, do check out their prices. There are some decent prices from them this week as well. So. Um, do take a look if you are placing a bet on this event. Just to complicate things a little bit further, as I said, we did have an event last year. They've moved the course from Gothenburg last year um, down to Helmstad Golf Club, which sits well, about 100 kilometres or so further south down the coast. And... Um, Slightly different course, slightly shorter, 6,909 yard past 72 for the men, so sub 7,000, 6,681 past 72 for the women. So from both perspectives, it's not a long course. Uh, Parkland affair, despite it, it's, it's only just a couple of hundred metres in from the coast, but it is Parkland. Um, classical in style, plenty of dog legs, the holes are tree-lined. They're not encroachingly so, I think you're thinking more kind of Italian open than, um, than Valderrama in terms of the way it will look and feel. The Greens relatively flat, the are bent grass-based. And um, if you're looking for course history, you're going to struggle, really. Um, it hosted the 2007 Solheim Cup. Prior to that, you've got to go all the way back to 2002 on the Challenge Tour and uh, the year 2000 on the L.E.T. if you want to find any form at all. Um, Twenty odd years ago really isn't going to going to help you out a great deal this week. I don't think. Um, in terms of the in terms of the weather, it could be a little bit of rain working through on Thursday. The latest forecast it looked a bit um, it looked a bit wetter yesterday when I wrote my preview. It doesn't look quite so bad today this morning on Tuesday here in the UK. But uh, we still could get a little bit of work, a little bit of rain working through on Thursday. Uh, um, other than that. Um, It's going to be generally dry, generally light winds, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Temperatures in the mid-60s Fahrenheit, there or thereabouts. Um, So it should be reasonably scorable. not shouldn't present the kind of challenges that we've seen um, over the last week or two on the DP World Tour. Um, Other than that, I mean, we've got a change of venue, so there's not a great deal else we can go on. There are stats available for last year um, on a different course entirely, of course. Um, so you could look at that but you know again it's a different track and um, if you look at these mixed style events that we've seen now and again on the DP World Tour in general the uh, the men have outscored the women so when you're looking at the market here and looking at how you might play uh, your selections I suspect it's reasonably prudent to 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 you know, Kind of weight the the men slightly more than the women in terms of your picks, but that wasn't necessarily going to be the case last year. If you look at the fifty four hole lead, there were two men and two women tied for the lead heading into the final day. As it panned out, only one there was only one woman in the top nine in the end, and that was Alice Houston. She finished third. Jonathan Caldwell won um, at one hundred and fifty to one last year. Beat Adrian Teagueus, another one of these players who absolutely loves these alternate style events. He's um, got a really good record on these, um, and then yeah, as you go to all the way down to tenth place before you found another LET player um, on the leaderboard. So, I, you know, whilst I don't think there's any reason theoretically why the why the setup this week should overly favour the men, it's relatively small, uh, short for both men and women. I think um, you may well find a reasonably similar scenario this 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 year, and kind of to that end, I've I've gone with four. Um, three of them men, one one of the one of the LET players to uh, to kind of uh, satisfy my curiosity, I suppose. Um, I don't know, perhaps perhaps we'll see a more even event this year, but um uh, I don't know. The the, the odds would suggest that, that may be the case with a couple of the couple of the women in the top top three or four in the betting, but we shall see. Anyway, I, back four as I say, three men. Um first up, Johannes Veerman. Um, Forty to one, I got yesterday. That went. There's lots of thirty-five to one or thereabouts still available. So uh, um, that's a decent price on a decent player, I think. And if you look at the top of the market, you've got Alex not out there. He's the clear, he's the obvious favourite, I think. Sixtieth um, in the world rankings at the moment. If you look back historically, and we've discussed this a few times on the pod in the past, um, immediately prior to a major championship. Um has got a really good record. In fact, four of his wins, four of his career wins have come in his start immediately preceding a major championship. So the fact that he's already got a place in the US Open next week, um, he's come over here um to, to Sweden to um to play. Um you know, potentially ten to one, it could be assuring. Yet, I don't know, the last couple of events, two missed cuts, not exactly sparkling form. Um Potentially a distraction next week. I don't know. It's um, you know has he has he changed his approach? If you look at these wins immediately prior to a major championship, um, that was all up until twenty eighteen. After that, he's kind of um, changed his um, well, changed his winning style at least. Um, perhaps he's um, yeah, he
0: doesn't win anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's that's the change of winning style.
1: Yeah, he's been playing more over in the US, and I get that, and it's tougher. I understand that. Um, but um perhaps in terms of his preparation for major championships I mean, he's the kind of player that when the course suits he should be at least semi challenging for major championships he's got he's got some ability um so perhaps his perhaps his approach to to these events has changed and you know instead of going out and going gung ho the, the week before the start before he's um he's more about preparation and um, fine tuning which if that's the case, then ten to one about Alex Noron really doesn't appeal a great deal. I, 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 I'm trying to justify not backing him, and I haven't backed him. Um, no such distractions, though, for Johannes Veerman. Um, he's had a relatively poor season, so didn't get one of the um, the top ten spots for the uh, U.S. Open qualifying race that happened recently on the uh, the DP World Tour. Um, isn't anywhere near the top uh, fifty or sixty in the world to get himself an automatic spot, so... He's going to have to content himself and watching it on the TV, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, he's a good player. He's a, he's a player that I think should be pushing him on from where he is. He's just turned 30 the last couple of weeks. Perhaps there's a new focus that will come through into his game and his, uh, his play. Uh, certainly saw an improvement last week. Um, he'd missed fixed five of his previous six cuts, then finished 10th last week. Eighth for greens and regulation. That was his best um, approach play in that respect uh, since January. Seventh for strokes game, putting. Seemed really happy on uh, social media on Instagram with the progress that he'd made last week. And if you look at his form on some of these tree line parkland affairs um, that he's played over in the in the recent past, uh, Italy and uh, Valderrama, he's, he's had some decent finishes. And um, then yeah, it, it adds up. There's there's quite a lot to like about how. Um, or when Johannes Veerman plays his best golf. So, yeah, I thought he was worth taking the favourite on with uh, this week. Uh, so, so Veerman's in. I've also backed Thriston Lawrence, um, backed him 40 to 1 um, with Boyle Sports, eight places this week. You um, can get slightly longer 45s out there, but um, given the price differential, I am happy to take the eight. We've had some good form from him um, this term so far um, on, on similar tracks, you know, ones with similarities to, to this week, either in the way they setup set up or the agronomy or potentially both. Uh, second in Kenya, um, top tens at Peak and Stain City on those Parkland style tracks. Um, so yeah, I think he should should like it. He should, should enjoy this particular test this week. Last week, he opened with a 78 in Germany and, um, You know, at that point, you're staring at a missed cut, but um, 54 holes after that, only the eventual winner, Kali Samuya and Brandon Stone, who finished in fifth place eventually, only those two uh, beat his final 54 hole total. So he really did pull it together over the final three rounds. The putter improved last week, sixth for putts per greens regulation, and his stroke or his strokes gained approach play. Over the last few weeks, has been really good and progressive. Nineteenth, thirteenth, fifteenth, and then eleventh last week in terms of strokes gain approach from four from his of his last five starts. So that all seems to be coming together. If he's putting well, um, then I think he could go, go go close again here this week. I think. So that's Lawrence. Um, the the LET player i backed is Leanne Pace. Um, she's forty one now. Uh, but it's not so long ago, and she was pretty prolific on the, the Ladies European Tour. She won five times in a year in 2010 on that tour. Quite rightly Player of the Year that year. Uh, won on the LPGA in 2014, so she won stateside as well. And uh, if you look at her, uh, her record since, she's won a title, or at least one title, every year Since 2014, including quite recently in April, a successful defence of her South African Women's Open title that she'd won the year before. Since that point, she's finished 20th, 10th, 14th and 6th last week in Italy. Long game looks really good. Um, Really good stats coming out of uh, her effort last week in Italy. 25th in this event last year. Now, that was after she travelled straight back from the US Open um, or the Women's US Open last year. So. There was some travel and some, uh, you know, kind of a a come down from a major championship last year. No such issues this year. She was playing in Italy and on the regular tour last week. Uh, Sixth place finish, as I say, coming over here as an eighty to one shot. I think she could be one of the women who features on the leaderboard this week. Uh, And finally, I've taken a punt on Scott Hend, one hundred and fifty to one. Uh, Again, I. You know, where where do you try and pitch when and where to back Scott Hend? He's one of those enigmatic players who you um, he, he can sometimes struggle to actually um, pin down as the style and type of course that he that should appear and should play well on. Um, he misses an awful lot of cuts. So if he misses a cut this week, it's no, no massive surprise. But he can win. He's one of these players who can actually win a golf tournament. There's plenty of players who, who make cuts each and every week and never win. Um, Scott Hend is the kind of player that I'm quite happy to take a chance on. If he misses the cut, so be it. If he wins 150 to 1, then happy days. As, as long hitter, but you don't necessarily see him appearing or, or thriving on the longer courses. He seems, seems to come alive on the shorter, mm. classical style, uh, style tracks. Uh, One in Hong Kong at Fanling back in 2014. That's a short, fiddly, classical-style track. Um, One in Sorjana at the Maybank Championship in 2019. Slightly longer, that one, just over 7,100 yards. But for a past 72, that's not long whatsoever. And that's another kind of classical Parkland-style course as well. Come close twice in the Swiss Alps at Crançoisieres. Um, lost two playoffs there over the years, and again, you know, you think Scott Hend, do you, would you really associate him with these style of courses? But he continually pops up, so seeing him pop up this week wouldn't be a massive surprise to me, really. And you always get a price on him, and, you know, not not because he can't win, because I just dis, you know, I described he can win. He's, he's won an awful lot on the Asian tour as well, but simply because he's so inconsistent. But we've seen a little bit recently. He missed twelve cuts on the trot earlier this year, then finished fourteenth in Holland. Um, he was feeling ill that week. Um, third going into Sunday before the the illness finally really caught up with him. But that was a real turning point. Played on the Asian Tour last week. Um, finished mid-division, but his, um, his long game looked really good. Third for total driving in old money on the Asian Tour last week. So... Um, there's something about his long game at the moment that's potentially going to match him up quite nicely to this week. Um, and finished fourth in this last year, fourth here last year. Also finished fourth at the Nordea Masters um, back earlier in the t- mid 2010s. So uh, he's got some current, form, you know, some reasonable current form. He's got some event form and some local form too. 150 to one worth taking a punt on, in my view. So that's um just to summarise. Scott Hend 150s Liam Pace 80 to 1 Thriston Lawrence 40s and Yo Hannes Veerman 40 to 1 also Now I know it's a tricky event um for well it was a tricky event for me to try and get my head around so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you, you have you pl- <laughs> don't even <laughs> ask Paul
0: Oh, Did dear. I see Lagergren? Who's the guy? That, who's the guy, Who's the Swede near the top of the leaderboard? Yeah, Lagergren last week. Yeah, mm. yeah. I I tend to prefer him on
1: more exposed and um, coastal style tracks, linksy tracks. Um, I
0: wonder the, if that Sebastian Soderberg comes and bites you on the bottom because you've been tipping him up recently.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was pencilled in last week to play and then didn't. And I've not seen a specific reason as to why he pulled out. So I've kind of veered away from him. But um, but yeah, he'd he been playing well. Um, he got an each-way place for us the week before, didn't he? So, mm. yeah, he has been playing well. Mm. Who knows?
0: But yes. I, 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 I'm not getting overly excited about Alex Noren, who hasn't won for four years or five years at nine to one. I know that much.
1: No, I, I just I wonder whether he's... You know, maybe he's in, maybe
0: he's getting a free Volvo. Well, for <laughs> arriving, who knows? Yeah,
1: you know, potentially well, half in holiday mode and uh, half in preparation mode for for next week's US Open. Maybe, maybe
0: they have given him one of these nice electric Pole stars that he can uh, take take back to America with him. Potentially, or maybe it's already in America on his drive. Do you want to know who qualified from the US Open qualifiers yesterday? Go for him. Right. These are notables because there's plenty of names here I've never heard of. Um, Blixed, Taron, Satoshi Kodaira. So Barry will be happy. Uh, Taylor Montgomery out of the San Francisco qualifier. He's a very good player on the um, Corn Ferry. He's going to make waves, I think, when he gets promoted. Um, Chase Sievert. Harry Hall, the young Englishman. Mm -hmm. He qualified. And Joseph Bramlett, Grayson Murray, Kevin Niles' best mate, and Kevin Chapel. Um, I often find it more interesting who didn't qualify. So let's take you through some notables who didn't qualify. Hao Tong Lee, he was playing in New York. He didn't qualify.
1: Yeah, and he'd come straight over from Germany as well. So yeah, uh...
0: he didn't make it. He withdrew, so he just walked off the course. Clearly. Um... <laughs> Didn't get a good night's sleep or something. Yeah. Love Mark Wagner Barnes. That was from New York. We had Pendriff withdrew with a rib injury. He's he's disappeared off the face of the earth, Pendriff. So mm. clearly fighting injuries. Uh, he withdrew. Wesley Bryan, Harry Higgs, Billy Hurley. I didn't even know Billy Hurley was still playing golf, but um, yes. Notables from the uh, one in Georgia. Patton Kazai didn't make it. Brendan Todd, who I'm sure a few will be backing this week. He didn't make it. Uh, Ted Potter Jr., your favourite. And then we had Keith Mitchell, Bill Haas, Richie Wurinski. They all walked off the course. They clearly weren't going to qualify in Georgia. Now, down in uh, Jupiter, Florida, Ricky Fowler didn't make it. So uh, he didn't make the qualification process. Matthew Wolfe, he walked off the course as well. And from the one in San Francisco, Maverick McNeely didn't make it. Where's a name for you as well, Paul Spencer Levine? He didn't make it. I didn't. He's still directly still smoking cigs, old oh, Spencer Levine. <laughs> <laughs> still,
1: still trying by the looks of it. Uh,
0: Norman Jean Tyler Strafaki. Daniel Summerhayes and his son Preston who again is going to be another talented youngster yeah, summer yeah. McNeely he's a strange guy and he's going off at like 33 to one every week in a you know you know in a weak field he can't even get qualified for a uh, out of a U.S open qualifier and then we had Haggy Ryan armor Martin trainer and JJ spawn they didn't qualify out of the one that was in um Toronto. Yep. Where Blixed, Taron and Kadira did. So, so we should go. have
1: a, um with the top 60 that was confirmed yesterday, I believe, for the World Rankings, we should have a pretty full field then when that washes through today. Yeah. So... Um, As
0: you know, Paul, I had written Luke List's tip for the hmm. RBC Canadian Open, gave it to you, let's go live, Paul. And then I noticed there was a gap on OddsChecker where there weren't a couple of prices. I, I closed my eyes and thought, here we go. <laughs> Went straight to Rob Bolton. Yeah, WD. Because he'd snuck back into the world's top 60. Yep, With that place or that top 15, was it, in the end at Muirfield? Yep, just enough. He, he'd managed just to get back over, yeah. So he's in the US Open field. It's a, it's an awful week. I hate this week, to be fair. Mm. All these people, though. WD. So how that affects the field, I have no idea, but there might be, I expect, another raft of WDs on Tuesday. Players yes. saying, no, I think we'll get our, get ourselves up to Boston rather than play in Toronto.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah there'll, there'll be some movement. There was a, there were a few WDs overnight. I guess when we're, in, in terms of our preparation for the US Open, we're planning to do a... Um, a preview pod later in the week there will also be the regular stats um, for major finishes and um, yep. US Open history, which we can now publish, um, which will probably be on the website by Thursday, I'd say, um, now
0: think, that we've got a field. Yeah, I don't know if the US Open, you know, like most of them, you win the week before you get in. I don't no. know if that works for the US Open. I got, didn't, the USGA have got such prehistoric rules of engagement. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I, I, it didn't appear to be the case, but then there was still scope from, uh, from mm. for last-minute invitations as well, by the looks of it. So there could be a, a curveball or two thrown in at some point as well. Perhaps a late reprieve for Ricky. <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> I did think that as you were talking about the Scandinavian, it's like, how are they going to manufacture getting Ricky Fowler into the field this yeah. week?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's only so many times you can do that, though, isn't there?
1: Well, apparently not.
0: Be fascinating to see how many. Uh, I take it all the LIV players will be welcomed back with open arms. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We will see. Right, RBC Canadian Open. It's back. Um, National Open Canada, sponsored by Royal Bank of Canada. You get a decent field. Um, headline this week. Scheffler, JT, Rory McIlroy, Cameron Smith, Sam Burns. You can't really complain about that as a top five. No. Um, So good good for Canada's um, Open. It's good to see it back. Always used to be the week after the Open Championship. But in this new schedule where we've got these compacted majors into a very tight space of time space... It now is the opener or the curtain raiser for the US Open. So um, we'll go into the course because it's one of these uh, travelling opens with a course rotor. We'll go into where they're playing and that in a second. Let's talk bookmakers. You mentioned Boyle Sports on yours, of course. They are 10 places each way as mm-hmm. ever on the PGA Tour this week. Um, if you want to maximise your each way places as I did on Keegan Bradley last week, and he still couldn't finish in the top 10. I think he shot three (laughs) over or four over. He was three or four over after four holes as well, Keegan Bradley, on Sunday. So uh, my my interest in the tournament waned very quickly uh, as all of my players were hurtling down the leaderboard, apart from Will Zalatoros. But um, if you... uh, So, yeah, 10 places each way for... um, sports, But as we keep saying, we are very much into highlighting 10 bet at the moment. Um, we've noted them for offering standout prices on popular players with market-leading odds, which you take at five places each way at a quarter the odds term. So the old standard industry terms on each way, five places, a quarter of odds. Now, as we record the podcast on the RBC Canadian Open they are offering listen to these, right market best 18 to 1 on Sam Burns 30 to 1 on Tony Tito Finau, 70 to 1 on Jonathan Vegas 100 to 1 on Brendan Todd who didn't make the US Open yesterday 120 I did have a good close look at Brendan Todd but you know or maybe you don't know he's on my um, he's on my post it note of doom
1: yeah, yeah, you mentioned him before.
0: Um, I'm not sure so exactly what he's
1: done to uh, to find I his way on it. there, but
0: Luke Lists on there as well, by the way. But um I, I actually <laughs> I relented, wrote his tip and then he withdrew. I mean that just tells you absolutely everything you need to know. Um 125 to 1 on Cameron Champ. And I thought this price was crazy. 140 to 1 on Aaron Rye. Mm. So here we go. Look, eighteen to one on Sam Burns with TenBet right now. He's as short as twelve to one with Betfred. And listen to this on Cameron Champ, one hundred and twenty-five to one on Cameron Champ. Another that I had a very close. We talk about Champ regularly on the podcast. He's one of those guys when he, when he's shown something, yep, can win on any kind of track. So this this is well within his remit. One hundred twenty-five to one with TenBet. He's as short as sixty-six to one with Coral, yep. and that's what you get with that's what you get with TenBet. You get exceptional prices on players each week. New TenBet customers get a fifty percent welcome bonus up to fifty pounds when signing up through Golf Betting System. You can find details about their new customer promotion plus a link through to that very offer plus T's and C's in this podcast description. Yeah, one hundred twenty-five to one on Cam Champ, sixty-six to one right now. With coral
1: yeah always some standout uh, prices with those guys and yeah always just worth a cursory look if you if you fancy a player and um, just just double check because you might find there's just a completely outlandish price on there there was one of the players yeah. I've backed yesterday was just an obscene price for them I'll mention that later on.
0: They have a 50% welcome bonus on your first qualifying deposit. So if you if you deposit anything above £15 pound or €15 euro for the Republic of Ireland, that will have a 50% welcome bonus. The maximum you can have is up to £50. Pounds. So to, to maximise effectively, deposit £100, pounds, you'll get that maximum £50 pound or €50 euro welcome bonus. But it's on the first qualifying deposit. Right, let's talk RBC Canadian Open in terms of the course. They have moved it to, this year, St. George's Golf and Country Club, which is in a rather swanky part of Toronto. Uh, a Stanley Thompson 29 design. It's had a couple of recent renovations, 2014 and 2019, with Doke. And Andrew, so Tom Doak. I would describe it as a classical golf course. It's your typical tree-lined affair. But I wouldn't say it's that typical. It's a, it's one of those setups that you need to pay particular attention to. And it might uncover the kind of player that we're looking for this week. Mm. Um, it's a past seventy. It's 7,014 yards in length. It doesn't sound long, does it? No. Um, Number of holes with water in play, three. So I can see why Tony T2, Finau, is playing this week. Not a lot of water in play. Fairways of bent grass with Poa Nua. The rough is Kentucky bluegrass with ryegrass. Three and a half inches in length. With the amount of rain that's falling out there, I would have thought the rough is sprouting and they're not going to be able to (laughs) cut it. And this is the thing that really got me. The greens. 4,000 square feet on average. And they feature luminary creeping bentgrass. So if you're hearing anything about Poa new on the greens, don't believe it. Luminary creeping bentgrass. The greens were changed from a bentgrass Poana mix in that 2014 renovation. Yep. So they're pure bent. No Poa.
1: And tiny as well, so that's that's comparable to a pebble beach kind of size. It's funny
0: you should say that, Paul, because I was digging while you were talking about the mixed action in Scandinavia. Pebble Beach, three and a half thousand square feet on average. They're the smallest on tour, and of course, Harbour Town, where they play the RBC Canadian Open, uh, the RBC Heritage. Those greens there are uh, 3,700 square feet. So by my reckoning, probably the third smallest greens on tour this year. Mm. They're tiny. We've been playing golf courses of late colonial, even last week at Memorial, 5,000, 5,200 square feet. So they're, they're small greens. Now, that was very noticeable as well when they played here in 2010, because this was the course they played at the 2010 RBC Canadian Open. That was won by Carl Peterson. Our friend Carl Peterson, big fat Carl. Mm. But then they were had power in them. So take from that what you will. The greens in regulation numbers that week were quite, they were relatively low.
1: Yeah, which makes sense on a course with very small or relatively small greens.
0: The course as you would expect in the lavish Islington suburb of Toronto is a Parkland tree line affair and is a class and is classical in nature. Space is at a premium so the course only measures 7000 yards to its tips. It's also a hybrid specimen, a par 70 which features five par 3s, three par 5s. It's a 34 36 setup. Now, the par threes are unique in themselves. They're quite stringent. Indeed, four of them, the third, the eighth, the 13th, and 16th, are between 200 and 215 yards long. So instantly, my t- kind of tingly senses are saying, well, we, it'd be nice to get people that are good with their proximity from above 200 yards. Yeah. There are 10 par fours. They're an intriguing set as well. 370 odd yard openers on both sides of the course will be taken apart and there is also another sub 400 yard par 4 at the 12th. The other par 4s though all measure between 450 and 486 yards in length. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, real mix.
0: Par 5s? Very, very gettable. 538, 528, 560. And I read a lot of comments from the golfers like Luke Donald and uh, players of that ilk back in 2010, basically saying that you know the par fives are there to be taken apart. Yeah. But yes, some of these par threes and par fours are, are stern stuff. Carl Peterson shot 10 under on his way to victory in 2010. So scoring around here is possible. There was also a number of 62s. So you can see this. I mean, if you can get a player that's good with eagling par fives, that's a big tick for me. But for me, all of that suggests that we need players that are very good from plus 200 yards. Anything 225, 250, I think, is probably a positive as well. And players that can play long 450-yard and longer par fours. I think if you can get players with that kind of skill set, you're not going to be far away this week.
1: Yeah, accurate long irons into small greens.
0: Yeah. And it gets streaky. It's also hammering down with rain.
1: Well, this is it. it, If if you're seeing players, you know, Peterson getting shooting a 60, so I don't know how, how... Realistic, his chance wasn't at fifty nine back then, but uh, you know, in, in soft conditions this year,
0: you know. I think he missed the putt on seventeen. Fifty nine right. was on. Okay. This golf course to me screams. If the guy was still playing, it, you would just sit and go, "It's Jim Furyk golf course." <laughs> yeah. To Jim Furyk golf course. Mm. And interestingly enough, you know, you had um, the sixty twos that week were hit by Charlie Hoffman, who, as we know, is a, a, another one of these. If he like, he likes a soft golf course. Yeah, he, he likes doesn't. a relatively short golf course, like a TPC River Highlands or something like. That. And Webb Simpson, he he was another one that shot eight under sixty two back in twenty ten when Webb Simpson was still quite quite wet behind the ears. Yeah, Webb Simpson. So yeah, I think it's going to be very very um, soft. The weather forecast seems to have changed overnight. There's more wind in it, though. Um, Thursday looks pretty nasty. Could be gusting up to 30 miles an hour. Okay. So watch that if you're playing DK. Watch that if you're playing first round leader. There might be draw bias on Thursday. The wind then calms. There's no rain on Friday. There is the threat of rain on Saturday. The gusting winds are around about 15 to 20. And it calms down on Sunday. I think there's going to be potential... Saying that, there's no thunder in any of this. It's just whether the golf course can take the amount of rain. That's the only way this is going to get delayed. It could play, in terms of the weather, similar to what we saw at um, Potomac a few weeks ago. Yep. You know, it was a couple of days where it was just raining all day, wasn't it? And the players just had to get on with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Rare on the PJ Tour, because they normally haul them off saying that there's some uh, electricity... Activity around, but I don't see electricity in this forecast. So, the betting market it's crazy, really. Scotty Scheffler at nine to one, (laughs) fresh off a playoff defeat, which would have been his fifth victory this year. He's gone Tiger Woods esque, hasn't he, Scheffler? Scary, really. Oh, he's prolific. He's prolific. JT at 10, McElroy at 11. Cameron Smith at 12. Sam Burns, 16 to 1. He's actually been priced, he's actually moved on 10 bet as we're recording. He's down to 16 to 1, but still best price with 10 bet. Then we've got Shane Lowry at 18s. Matt Fitzpatrick at 20s. Corey Connors at 22s. I expect loads of people will be on Tony, Tony T2Fee now at 28 to 1. Then the likes of Hatton at thirty threes, Harold Varner the third. If you want to take that pill again, oh, I had such a close look at Harold Varner, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. And hometown hero, although I don't think he's from this part of Canada, Adam Hadwin at forty to one. Yeah. With then out to fifty to one for Patrick Reed, Sebastian Munoz, Chris Kirk. And yes, that is the trouble with this field. It's great at the top. And it thins down so so quickly, and overnight they're letting the likes of John Merrick, <laughs> uh, George McNeil. He's been added to the field. I mean, down at the bottom here, it's absolute. Mike Weir's playing.
1: Yeah, more to come ben, as well. Ben
0: Crane. That. Oh mate, it's getting worse. Yeah, uh,
1: they might have to dig into the reserve reserve list if uh, you get a spate of withdrawals this afternoon.
0: Yes. Do you know who I think might be inbound? Go on. Your friend. What, Omar? Omar Uesti, mate. <laughs> uh, I think Omar's inbound. Now, correlating courses. I mean, it's not a bad place to start if we look at where, where Carl Peterson won. Is it, is, that's not a bad spot, is it? No. Carl Peterson. You won't be surprised by any of this. He has won at Sedgefield, where they play the Wyndham. He has won at Copperhead, Another Carolina golf course, although it's in Florida, Carolina style. He has won at Harbortown. Are you seeing a pattern here? Mm. <laughs> He's also a winner at Muirfield Village. Now, that was when Muirfield Village was quite, it was relatively short back then. Yeah. It was a lot shorter than it is now. So, Muirfield Village, tree line, Sedgefield. Carolina golf course. Harpertown, Carolina golf course. Copperhead, Carolina-type golf course played in Florida. There's also some... Um, I don't know what we got. He, he was also very good at the Sony Open. Yeah, that all makes sense. He was very good. He had a top-two finish at Torrey Pines. I thought that was interesting. So, yeah... Um, St. Jude as well, another past 70. Third and an eighth. Boston as well. TPC Massa- uh, TPC Boston up in Massachusetts, a fourth and a ninth up there. So those are kind of correlating co- courses I was looking through. Do you know what? I was there was such little quality at, at, pr- at prices that I liked. I've gone I've just gone kind of Minimum risk. If I could get someone in the mix Sunday, I'd be more than happy.
1: The the mid-range wasn't overly attractive this week. No,
0: when I'm looking at David Lipsky at 80-1, to I think Lipsky could go well here because you've always said to me, shorter tree-line courses, Lipsky um, is a danger. He is, yeah. Do you really see David Lipsky winning? See, I don't.
1: No, I do prefer him on Bermuda rather than Bent, but that's mm-hmm. um, you know based on his old European Tour, DP World Tour stats and uh, performances back in the day. But yes, tree lines and tracks, that tend to be his forte, short ones as well.
0: I also had a look at the leaderboard from 2019. Now they played, this was that was the that was the first time that they played the RBC Canadian Open, the week before the US Open. Yeah. So it's in this particular time slot. And it was, a, it was a similar kind of field with some good names at the top and then a real lack of depth. And we had McElroy winning, Shane Lowry and Webb Simpson in second place, tied. Kuchar, Snedeker, Hadwin, Sung Im all in the top seven. So some good players there. Even Colin Morikara played. He was 14th. So you had big names there. Dustin Johnson in the top 20. Most of the big names at the top of the leaderboard were near the top of the... uh, In the betting, rather, were near the top of the leaderboard. So that's just sucked me in. So... I am going for, I thought Cam, I managed to get Cam Smith at 14 to one, which was backable for me. I just think on a golf course, this was another thing I took from Carl Peterson's win. Mm. Carl Peterson, when he won here, ranked second on the PGA tour for par four scoring. And he was in, he was the number one player for strokes game putting the whole season. Yep. Short game. These greens apparently are both very small but very very contoured. Now whether they got whether they still have that severe contouring post the renovation in 2014, I'm not 100%. Or whether they basically just changed the green surface and took the power out, put relay bent but kept the whole contouring. I think they made the greens potentially slightly uh, slightly bigger. But anyway, I think, to me, there was a lot of good putters at the top of the leaderboard and good scramblers. Mm. Charlie Wee was up there. Matt Kuchar was up there. Greg Chalmers. These kind of players. And that just took me to Cameron Smith, who I got 14-1. to If you just look at what he's done so far this season, 8th for strokes game putting. First for birdie average, first for scoring average, second for par four scoring average, and first for par five scoring average. So give him a mix of quite stringent par fours and par fives that are up for grabs. I think Smith is a massive danger this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we talked about his ball striking at the, the PGA Championship as well, which was yeah. incredible from to It went
0: completely the other way last week. He had no ball striking. It was all short game. <laughs> but then that was on a golf course where he'd miscut, 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 64th, 68th before yep. he'd gone there. This And this year, he was actually contending for the victory. Mm. So it just shows you how the guy's game has changed. Yep. How the ment- mentality has changed. I genuinely think that this sh- this shorter course with the tiny greens and where the, the, the contours on the greens really come alive for good putters, I think it's really... Sm- Smith's the one that I took at the top. Mm. Although you could <laughs> state in the obvious, you could build a case for any of them, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, you could. Yeah, and you know, Rory. McElroy They're all in, in good a soft, nick. Yeah, McIlroy and a soft course, um, potentially. You know, you and I are talking off Mike about his um, record when defending. Even though it's what th- you know, three years down the line now, isn't it? Since uh, since he he's won never there. defended a title. Yeah, in his professional yeah. career. You know, is, it, is that is, it, is that even a consideration from him is it, is it a mental block or is it just a, a quirk of his statistics so far Um not entirely sure but at the price it's a, yeah is it a tough one to, to justify really
0: don't forget Kaz Smith winner at Wileye Country Club first at TPC Sawgrass I'm just looking at Carl Peterson actually Peterson had had a couple of top tens at Sawgrass mm fourth at Riviera third at Ridgewood third at TPC Boston so again tree line golf course is not classical not a problem he's also got top tens at town tick TPC Southwind tick Sedgefield tick and that was before Cameron Smith was the player he is right now yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah I'm on Cam Smith and the other one I couldn't resist and a player that I'd love to know if Barry's backing him this week because his his price is so poor to what we're used to seeing. But if there's a golf course that should suit Shane Lowry, it's this one. So I took two and a half points each way at twenty to one. Uh, he's an eighteen to one chance now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it's more a case of when, not if he wins again soon, and. Yeah. Eventually it'll all click, won't it? One one week it'll all just work and and bang,
0: could be this week. He's ranking at the moment, fourteenth for strokes going putting and second for proximity to hole on approaches. Mm. And across all those target distances, high end distances, Shane's all just all over them. Yeah. Second last time out in twenty nineteen when I was on board that year, I think I was on board at forty to one. Uh, he finished second behind the marauding Rory McIlroy that particular Sunday. Mm. So yeah, Lowry and Smith. I've just kept it simple. Um, I've also added a forty to five to one shot. I know that you've got a player who I had a very close look at as well, but you've told me off, Mike. Yeah, so take 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 the listeners through um, that particular chance.
1: Yeah, the the one I've backed in that kind of range is Juan Sebastian Munoz at fifty mm. to one. And um, I I guess what, what made me think was when I read your preview and your notes and looking at Peterson shooting 60 and a couple of 62s, as you described, someone who can go low. And um, Sebastian Munoz recently shot 60 at the, um, the Byron Nelson, finished third overall, first round he shot 60. And mm. I think someone who's got that scoring capability, it, it, I don't think you necessarily need it um every day this week and uh, certainly if there's going to be some wind around but on the days where it is calmer, the days that it is more scorable and, and softer someone who's got that ability to put in a really low round at some point yeah. during the tournament could Congrats. get himself right in the mix and yeah sebastian munoz is that kind of player and i thought 50 to 1 in that mid range there wasn't much else there that was screaming at me
0: um i think you've, do you do know i think you've hit a nail on the head paul i really do because Carl Peterson was 68th going into the weekend he basically made the cut on the number Saturday morning goes out early shoots 60 vaults all the way up to second for Sunday yep there you go now, with this weather forecast, you could see something kind of similar because you know who, who knows where it comes. That number might come on the Friday when the golf course is soft and calm. It could even come from off the pace on Sunday, yeah. which looks the calmest of the lot. Soft golf course. Someone could just fire in a crazy low round. And a Munoz, a Cam Smith, is that kind of player, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, someone who's someone who's streaky enough to post that Mm. really low total at some point, and uh, yeah, he's got a couple of decent spins in Canada, thirty second and eleventh on different courses, of course. But um, yeah, last time twenty nineteen, he opened with sixty five and closed with a sixty four. So there's some some scoring ability in Canada in his record, and yeah, it just seems the sort to me. Seems the sort he could uh, he could do that.
0: Here you go. Lowest scores this season on the PGA Tour. Oh, this is crazy. Sebastian Munoz. He's, he's, he's hit 60 twice this season. Yep. Once at the RSM Classic end of last year and at the Byron Nelson a few weeks ago. He The only other player with a 60 was Tyler McCumber. That's mad. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And then there's a raft of players who have shot 61s this year, which includes Justin Thomas. Mm, interesting.
1: Yeah, it yeah, was just one, one day, can you produce that one mad low round and, yeah, do it, do a Peterson and uh, get yourself in the in the mixer.
0: So you're on Munoz.
1: What price did you get on him? Uh, 50s. I took on Munos. The only other one I backed and um, very early was Matt Wallace at 400 to one. Now that that price was ludicrous. And uh, how much? 400s. He was early on with Tembe. Um, it was also. Oh my I, saw, Lord. I, I, I saw a few people saying that it opened at the same price with uh, DK Sportsbook over in the states as well. Uh, so I, I couldn't I couldn't resist him at 400s, no. 1. I backed him recently in the DP World Tour. That's ridiculous. Um,
0: yeah, fifth at the Dutch Open. I was Open. contemplating him at 100. <laughs> he,
1: was finished, he finished fifth at the Dutch Open. He was 18th last week, and that was without his clubs because he turned up, no clubs, no equipment, no nothing, and they had to fly him some emergency clubs out. Mm. And uh, he still managed to get himself into the top 20 in the end, uh, ranked third for strokes gained approach on these emergency clubs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's fly, flying out to Canada, um, hopefully with the, all of his gear intact this time. Um, yeah, and the, uh, you know the, the the price differential on Matt Wallace was mad. Some some bookies were open at eighty to one, as you said, you know, and that kind of hundred, hundred to fifty to one generally, and then you got this price that's just screaming at you at four hundred to one. So. Well, William Hill at
0: sixty sixes. So you were seeing William Hill at sixty sixes, and you managed to back him with ten bet at four hundred to one.
1: Four
0: hundred, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you've just sold ten bet to the, every <laughs> listener on on the podcast. They are currently ten bet two hundred to one on Matt Wallace. Mm. Um, the next longest is Unibet at 150s, and like William Hill are 66s, and most are at 80s. Yeah, madness.
1: Yeah. It is true disparity on that uh, on that line.
0: Um, I don't. I, I had a good look at Wallace. I had a look at JT Poston. I wouldn't be surprised if Poston's the sort because we know that he's won at Sedgefield. He's also very good at Harbour Town. Uh, in the end, I went for Keith Mitchell who didn't get into through qualifying, which is probably a good thing, which means he'll play this week. But I managed to get Keith Mitchell at 45-1 to 1 with William Hill. You just look at Mitchell and you look at how he plays. He can shoot extremely low scores. Um, I'm seeing a 62 here from the CJ Cup at the start of the season. The other thing is, I always remember Keith Mitchell, very good at places like Sony Open, YLI. Mm. His main weapon of choice is he's a fantastic driver of the golf ball, and which he's doing at the moment. He's managed to rein the, the, the driver in to make it both long and straight. And from that, his game tends to flow. Just look at his statistics. He is very, very strong with the club's 200 yards and out. And also, just looking at where he does his scoring, very, very strong on on long par threes and those long par fours. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell, within the top five on tour um, for par five birdies or better as well. So give me a player that can take those par fives apart and can handle those longer threes and fours. I'm very interested. So, yeah, I took Keith Mitchell. World number
1: seventy-three. Mm. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Well, big week this week, and then he could be right on the edge of getting into the world's top fifty. This is the thing, you know. It's an opportunity for some of these lower players in in the in the pecking order. But I think you're going to have to beat someone very, very elite, or a number of elite players to get the job done this week. Yeah, but I, I, I think the names, I think the bigger names are going to gravitate back to the top just with the U.S. Open next week.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it goes one of two ways, doesn't it? They're either just fine tuning and preparing for next week, and you, you see them either miss the cut or just uh, kind of meander around and for a mid mid division finish to get four rounds under their belt, or um, or one of them just walks away with the title.
0: Full disclosure: I had my first bet on the U.S. Open last week. I took uh, Tommy Fleetwood. The sixty-six to one with Ladbrokes, and they they boosted it up for me to seventy-five to one for my couple of quid each way. Yeah. He didn't play too badly last week. Fringy top ten, wasn't he, Fleetwood? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, if that really is, you know, as we know, U.S. Open tough next week, where three four unders going to be there right on the Sunday. I think I think that um, that is Tommy Fleetwood Towers right there. Yeah. If there's one major that I can see him winning, it would be a US Open or potentially a windy British Open. Yeah, Open Championship.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's it's not far away, Tommy. Um, it, it, that was kind of his traditional or recent um, DP World Tour style finish last week. So you know, on the fringes, on the fringes of a place, but just unbackable at a really short price, either win only or even each way. It's just, uh, just doesn't quite work. But yeah, he's not far away, is he? Tommy.
0: Seems to sort the driver out. He's just not quite as consistent as he used to be with his greens in regulation, but he's putting well and driving well. Just hope that the, um, you know, on a golf course where if you're hitting 70% of greens at a US Open, that's going to be top of the field. That's the kind of place where he comes to the fore. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on Tommy Fleetwood at 75. So that's my only anti-post bet on the US Open. Mm. Right, that's us then, Paul. I believe.
1: Yep, yep. We'll be back later in the week with a um, US Open preview, as we've discussed a couple of times. And, uh, we will. Ho- hopefully, Barry will be available. If not, it will be you and I just uh, chewing the fat over next week's uh, next week's major.
0: I will put a link in this description box to our US Open research preview, which I wrote a few weeks ago. So if you want to start digging around, doing some um, trend analysis and what you're looking for at the US Open, have a read of that particular research preview. Thanks for your time, Paul. Hope your bets go well.
1: Yeah, best of luck this week, Steve.
0: Best of luck to you. Best of luck to listeners. We'll be back later this week with that US Open research podcast. See you soon. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut. Get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system is the golf.